0: If you want to turn your band into a lean, mean, touring machine, you're in the right place. Now, let's get this show on the road. It is time for another episode of the Bandhive podcast. My name is James Cross, and I help independent artists tour smart. A few weeks ago, I dropped an episode called The Setlist Sandwich. Do this for every show you play. And people seem to really resonate with that topic. But what you might be surprised to learn is that the same thing applies to your marketing campaigns. I'll get more into this in a second, but to sum up the set list sandwich, it was that you should start and end your set with high energy, and in the middle is where you can put those juicier cuts, the more melancholy songs, the softer songs, the songs that show you have feelings and emotions and all that kind of stuff, and that's not to say that your high energy songs can't show feelings and emotions, but they probably don't show the same emotions as the songs that you put in the middle of your set. You're trying to hook the audience right away, and then give them some more content of substance. And then at the very end of your set, you're leaving them on a high note. And the same thing goes for your marketing campaigns. You don't want to have the first single be the strongest song on the release. Rather, it should be a close second. Now, before you start throwing rotten fruit at me saying, no, of course we want the first song to be the best one. Hear me out. You close your set with something that leaves the audience remembering you on a high note, right? Your entire set is building up to that moment. Through the ebb and the flow of the setlist sandwich, you're building up to that. Because the goal is to keep your audience hooked the entire time you're on stage. And a release campaign is no different. By starting with your strongest track as the lead single, you're showing your hand. It's literally all downhill from there. Because people who loved that song might be disappointed by the rest of the songs. And you don't want that. Because then you're setting them up to say, Eh, that one song was good, the rest not so much, whatever. You've set the bar up here, and the rest of what you're delivering is here. That's not how you want it to go. On the other hand, you don't want to go too far and make your first single the weakest song on the release. It's a careful balancing act, because if you start down here and then try to bring it up, well, maybe people tuned out down here because it wasn't that good. My recommendation would be to drop two singles before an EP or three singles before a full-length release. So for an EP, your first single is going to be the second best song on that release while the song that's an absolute banger will be your second single shortly before the release. With a full length, you do essentially the same thing. You start off with the second best track. Then, in the middle, you have the third best track. And then you leave your absolute stellar track as the final single before release. This way, you give your fans the chance to hear some new material, but they won't be disappointed by what comes next. You're also dropping songs that are good enough at this point, so people who haven't heard of your music before aren't going to be turned away by a bad song. You're still choosing the second best track on the release. Like I was saying earlier, it's an extension of the setlist sandwich. You're building energy up to your new release. So while the time frame and the number of songs is different, because you're only working with two or three songs here, your goal is similar. You're getting people interested enough in your music that they'll listen to more. So you're dropping that first song, and you're hooking the audience with that. And then you want to go uphill. You don't want to go downhill, which is what happens if you start with the strongest song. Instead, you go uphill. And that way, you're building to more and more. Of course, when you get to the actual release, not everything on there is going to be a single. And that's fine. People know that a full release probably isn't going to be full of singles. Like, that's just how it is. Not every song is a single. Some of my favorite songs of all time are album cuts. But if the artist released it as a single, I'd say, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? That's not single material. I may love the song, but that's because I love that song in the context of the album. I don't necessarily love it as something I'm hearing for the first time from an artist. The context really matters. So you might be wondering now about the order of tracks on your release in general. A lot of artists, especially back about 20, 30 years ago, would top load the strongest songs to the first half of the release. This was because when you were dealing with vinyl or tape, people would listen to one side and not necessarily flip it over if they didn't like the first half. So you had to get them hooked on that first half, and then when they flipped it, okay, maybe it wasn't as great, but they had the first half to listen to still. Other artists choose to tell a story and more or less ignore the strength of the song when they're choosing the order. Obviously, this only works if... Your songs are generally good enough. If your songs aren't that great, this isn't going to work. People will tune out. Still, other artists will turn the order of the album into some kind of mystery. For example, on AFI's record Sing The Sorrow, which came out almost 20 years ago, back in March of 2003, the Leaving Song Part 2, which is track 2 on the album, actually comes before the Leaving Song, which is track 10 or 11, if I recall. And that's when you play the album starting at track 1. Instead, there's a popular fan theory that the story actually starts with Bleed Black, which is track three. And it loops around through the rest of the album, including the hidden tracks of The Spoken Word and This Time Imperfect. Then it gets to the intro track, track number one, Miseria Cantare, and ends with the leaving song part two. If you want to read this theory, I'll have it linked in the show notes at bandhive.rocks slash 154. That's the numbers 154. And you can check that out. But point being there's a mystery here. I don't know if this was intentional. Knowing AFI, it probably was because they do a lot of stuff like this, or at least they used to, and their fans would just eat it up. They would spend hours trying to solve these mysteries. And it really is one of the things that tightened the community. It tightened the despair faction, and it brought people to AFI and kept those fans engaged with the band and their music. That's fantastic. Now, most bands don't have fans that are going to look that deeply into anything, but this is how much your track list could matter depending on your music. If you're aiming for casual fans, I would absolutely suggest just top-loading your track list. But on the other hand, if you want to create a deeper connection with your audience, you could put a story out. You don't have to go and make it a mystery, but it never hurts to drop some breadcrumbs or Easter eggs. The main thing is, get your fans to listen to the release by properly leading up to it. Don't show your hand too early, and be sure that you save the best track for the final single before the full release. that does it for this episode of the bandhive podcast thank you so much for tuning in and listening i really appreciate it and i hope that this kind of extension of the setlist sandwich episode will help you choose your singles as well as your album track listing or your ep track listing if you haven't heard the episode about the setlist sandwich yet i highly recommend it it's number 151 and it's called the setlist sandwich do this for every show you play. You can find it at bandhive.rocks 151. That's the number 151. Or you can go to your favorite podcast app and pull up that episode. Speaking of sandwiches, I'm going to sandwich in a quick promo here before I sign off. And that's for our Facebook community. If you want to be in a community with As of right now, on October 21st, 2022, almost 700 like-minded musicians who are trying to learn about the business side of things, you're absolutely welcome to join us. Just head on over to bandhive.rocks slash group or search for Bandhive on Facebook. Again, bandhive.rocks slash group, which will automatically redirect you to our URL on Facebook, or you can search for Bandhive. That's B-A-N-D-H-I-V-E. We'll be back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. with another brand new episode of the Bandhive podcast. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe. And of course, as always, keep rocking. Hey, you. Yeah, you. With the headphones or the speakers. You've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. While I still have you here, if you're not already in the Bandhive Facebook community, it would be great to see you there. We have over 600 like-minded musicians who are asking questions, sharing their experiences and advice, and much more. So if you want to improve your band's business, look no further than the Bandhive Facebook community. You can find it by searching for Bandhive on Facebook. That's B-A-N-D-H-I-V-E, or going to bandhive.rocks slash group. Again, that's bandhive.rocks slash group, and that will automatically redirect you to our Facebook community. I look forward to seeing you there soon.